It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. It's week three of This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal, beat writer, basketball time contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. Kev, we got what we thought what we might have right at the beginning of the Big East this year and in the middle of the season as well. Lots of teams very similar and beginning well to just kind of beat up on each other. But through it all, two teams are rising to the top, Villanova and Marquette, just a half a step behind. I can't say we're surprised. I'd say we're surprised that Villanova's undefeated, but that Villanova and Marquette would be at the very top is not a shock. After that, John, whew, flip a coin. Everyone looks the same. Well, yeah, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Villanova and Marquette, the pace setters through three weeks, but this middle is really something else. After Villanova and Marquette, at 6-0 and and at 6-1, and you've got eight teams all tied basically for third place in the loss column with four losses. I think that's unprecedented. It is. You know, it's still early. It'll shake itself out. But you wonder if you project, you know, a month in advance, is everyone still bunched together? Or do they are there maybe three or four teams that separate from the pack? Because that's really what the league will need when we're talking about NCAA tournament berths. Well, I'm just going to ask, you know, these teams that are kind of rising up and then some will undoubtedly settle back. What are the signs, do you think, for someone that might break through? And if no one separates themselves... What does this say about the league and the competition in the Big East this year? Well, this is one great note that's in the Big East right now. Home teams are only 18 and 15. Wow. That means they're probably not good enough to protect their home court on a consistent basis. And a sign of any team that's ticketed for the NCAA tournament, are they protect their home court and pile up wins at home. And that's just not happening in the bulk of the league. But does that also say, though, that they might be good enough to steal a road win here and there? They are, but then you're trading, you know, wins and losses. Yeah. You know, you, this is the time of year where you need to put together those four and five game winning streaks, and there's just not enough teams in the league, out, of course, outside of filling over Marquette. At the top of the headlines this week, the emergence of the two teams who were predicted by most to do so. Villanova is on a seven-game winning streak after winning at Butler this week, something the Wildcats have had trouble with winning at Butler the last couple of seasons. Marquette's Golden Eagles have risen to 12th in the AP poll, 11th nationally in the USA Today Top 25 this week, their highest ranking in six seasons, getting tremendous play from not only Marcus Howard, but also the Hauser brothers, Sam and Joey, and more on those brothers coming up. And the Big East currently places eight teams within the top 80 of the net ranking system, with all 10 teams in the top 107 out of 353 Division I programs. Well, Kevin, as we touched on a couple of minutes ago, how deep will these net rankings extend realistically for teams deemed worthy of NCAA consideration in March, do you think? Well, I'm starting to get concerned, John. You know, basically you need to be in the top 50 at the at the end of the game. Uh, we've talked about it on earlier shows. The coaches aren't really sure exactly what the net is measuring. Uh, we know that wins and winning streaks can put you in that top 50. Road wins. Road wins stand out like sore thumbs. 
Uh, and, you know, there are some road wins happening in the Big East, but uh, I haven't seen teams play with enough consistency to get excited about, you know, maybe the six, seven teams that this time of year usually are in the mix. Yeah, just kind of wondering, because we've got two teams that are at the top of this thing and eight other teams that are now figuring in competitively somewhere along the lines. The next couple of weeks, likely we're to see a couple of extra teams climb to the top and probably a couple of extra teams begin to fall to the bottom. It makes it for interesting talk right now, but at the same time, I'm wondering what the big picture might be, say, I don't know, first week of March. Well, I can tell you one thing that's going to help anybody, beating Villanova and, and Marquette. And Marquette yeah. So Villanova last year lost three road games, uh, Butler, Creighton, and Providence. They've already beaten all three teams on the road this year, so I don't know what that begs going forward. And, you know, Villanova, at three of their next four games are at home. So Villanova, they may go out 9, 10, maybe and, 11 and 0. And we didn't think they would. No, no one really did at the start of the year. Wow. Well, don't forget, if you have your questions on your favorite team or any other team in the Big East, we will get you some answers. Send them to us to use here on the show. Hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag TWITBE, TWITBE. Thanks to our Westwood One stations for tuning in. And if you're catching us on SiriusXM, we welcome you aboard. If you're on your commute, if you're working out of the gym, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to leave us a review. So, what do you do? When you're basically forced to start over, you find a guy, maybe two, to kind of build around, maybe play some new faces in and around your lineup to begin the process all over again. Seton Hall, you might recall, lost four valued seniors within the program after last season's NCAA tournament appearance. But there's enough left now to make life pretty competitive for this year. The Pirates head coach Kevin Willard joins us next this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Big East Spotlight. Seton Hall has one timeout left, 20 seconds to go. McKnight, the kick, Thompson shows it. Kale steps back, lets it fly. Miles Kale, 84-83. Kelvin Johnson blocked from behind by McKnight, and Seton Hall knocks off the number nine team in the nation. What a win for the Pirates. Seton Hall's talent the past few seasons has been on a par with any team. And yet, what has remained behind after graduation has been enough to provide some early season surprises on the floor. The question for the Pirates might be, how do you take the next step from here? Seton Hall head coach Kevin Willard joins us this week in the Big East. Kevin, when you lose so much from last year, especially seniors like you've had, how do you balance the development of the younger players with winning in a league like this? It's not easy, guys, to be honest with you. Um, you know, because it's I have a really good junior, uh, one of the best players in Miles Powell, um, and our sophomore class and our freshman class is developing really nice. But, you know, throughout the league schedule, you're going to have some, some ups and downs, especially when you're young. And uh, I love the way my team's competing. I love the way they're, they're going about every game. But, you know, getting them to understand that, you know, how to win and le- learning to win in close games and, uh, is part of a very tough process. 
Kev, can you take us into the construction of your schedule this year? It's interesting to me that with such a young team, you, you threw maybe the toughest non-conference schedule in the Big East at them. Were those some games that were just uh, you know owed from previous years, or, or did you want to challenge them to that extent? Well, you know what, it, it was it, it was kind of a calculated risk in the fact that um, I really wanted to see um, going into the Big East, you know, what we were going to be all about. Um, I really, again, I really thought our sophomore class was going to take a really good jump. Um, I thought Miles Powell um, was going to be one of the better players in the league. And I had a, a fifth-year senior, Mike Nezzi, that, you know, I, I knew I could depend on. So when we looked at the schedule, uh, we looked at the league, you know, we really wanted to make sure that we were balanced from the beginning to the end. And um, I think it really helped us early on to kind of get us, um, you know, to where we are now. And uh, the, the wins over Kentucky and Maryland, uh, I can't imagine for a better setup heading into the Big East. No, I mean, I, th- I think it really helped us. Um, I, we, we were playing really good basketball towards the end of December. Um, you know, and I, I think we've had a, a lot of road games over over the winter break, which I think has kind of hurt our development a little bit. It's kind of kind of put us in neutral a little bit. But I think, you know, it really showed me that, you know, not only for the rest of the year, but, you know, most importantly going into next year with a with pretty much the same team, what, what we're capable of. Kevin Willard joining us this week in the Big East. All right, you mentioned Miles Powell, and I think that's where everybody really identifies now with your team this year. You mentioned Michael Enzi as well, a couple of the other guys, but who do you need to kind of step forward and join Miles in, in sort of being a guy that you can depend upon? Because the few times that we've seen you and we've watched you on television quite a bit, you seem to have different folks for different roles. Is there somebody you're trying to sort of develop into being that second alpha guy? Yeah, I mean, I I think you know as the year goes on, uh, Miles Kale has really started to shoot the basketball with a little bit more confidence. I mean, he's really been our, our defensive stopper. Um, you know, we've had to put him on guys like Struess and guys who are, are are heavy lift loads on the defensive end. And I think as he kind of kind of continues to gain confidence in his offensive game, you know, he's a guy I can see being a, another fifteen to sixteen point scorer. You mentioned uh, your lone senior, Michael Enzi. He's one of my favorite players in the league because he's dependable. You know, he's not going to take crazy shots. He's he's going to play really tough, and he's good around the basket. And I think most people don't even know his name. No, and I think that's something that you know Mike's been that way for four years with us now. I mean, it's always something that you know what you're going to get in practice. You know what you're going to get in games. Um, you know, besides the fact that you know he graduated with a 4.0 and he's going to get his master's this, at the end of the year. Uh, Michael's been, you know, one of the one of the most dependable college basketball players in the last three or four years. Two players I want to ask you about, in addition to Miles Kale, who you talked about, so we'll leave that one there. But Quincy McKnight came to you as a transfer as well, and he seems, as the season has progressed, to be more aggressive on the offensive end. Is that what you've told him to do? And, and where do you feel like his ceiling might be? As he can he get there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something. I think early in the year, um, him moving over to the point guard spot, I think he was a little bit too hesitant about, you know, when do I score, when do I not score? And I think as the season's gone on and he's realized that, you know, how teams are playing Miles Palatine, denying them and, and double-teaming them, that, you know, for him to loosen up and give Miles opportunities, that he's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive getting into the lane and trying to score a little bit more. He definitely seems to be uh, aggressive in that regard. And the other guy i got to mention is just because I want to say his name, Sandro Mamukalishvili. How did I do? You did great. You've been much better than me. <laughs> I understand why everybody just calls him Mamu. But but here's the thing. He's big. 
He's got range. He is a tough guy to defend when he is on the mark. Yeah, he is. And he's, again, you know, it's very hard for sophomores who, you know, again, had, had limited roles as freshmen. You know, they, you know Sandro and, and Miles got to play last year, but, you know, they weren't dependent on. And as they've gotten used to their roles and then as they've gotten used to playing 30-plus minutes a game, uh, I think they've each gotten much more comfortable on the offensive end and really started to improve on the offensive end. And Sanjo's one of those guys that uh, not only is he is he skilled, he can make a shot, but he's he's an excellent passer. And as he continues to kind of gain confidence as he as he's out there, I think he's going to get better and better. Kevin, John, and I have uh, failed in trying to figure out the uh, bulk of the Big East uh, in our show this week. There's, there's, I'll join you guys. Yeah, there's eight teams with four losses heading into the weekend. That's extraordinary. I, I mean, I, you know, Nova is undefeated. Marquette is in good position. Uh, how how is this going to shake out the rest of the way? Well, I, I think it's interesting. You know, if you if you watch the games, you know, I think they're so tight and balanced because everybody lost. A, a big chunk of seniors, and everybody had very good players who were ready to step up. But, um, like you know, if you look at Marquette, um, they're they're a veteran team that that you know understands how to win close games. If you look at if you look at Nova right now with the way Pascal and Booth are playing, uh, they're playing those two are playing as good as anybody in the country, and and they're 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 making big plays. And uh, I think the league is is balanced top to bottom you know you don't look forward to playing anybody uh and i think if you take anybody lightly you're going to take an l in this league is this a good thing where you don't have somebody at the bottom of the league and you can say oh you know wow we can get a win here because maybe they're struggling this year or is it really a a tougher thing than people really give it credit for i I think it's extremely tough you know when you're playing uh the true round robin and uh you know we played DePaul, you know twice within three games and you know, without our seven-foot center, Romero Gill, and, you know, you're playing against, you know, Femi, who's a senior, uh, Max Schroes, who's a fifth-year senior, Eli Kane, who's a, a senior, mm-hmm. and you're playing against a veteran team that's tough and hard-nosed, and, you know, it's, it, everyone thinks, oh, they, they have some losses in the, in the non-conference, but, man, there's, there's not an easy out in this conference at all. I'm curious if uh, you can share with us a, a Miles Powell practice story. We, we've seen him go off in games when he gets, you know, 40, uh, you know, nice, easy night. Mm-hmm. But I, I can imagine in practice you're, you're, his teammates get a little frustrated trying to slow him down as well. Yeah, you know, it's uh, beginning of the year, I think right before we went out to Anaheim to play in the Anaheim Classic, uh, you know, we had come off a, a couple tough losses, and, you know, he really challenged himself to kind of, you know, turn his game up. And he went through a stretch. We do 15-minute segments where um, he hit 13 straight shots against Shavar Reynolds, who's one of our better defenders. And Shavar finally, just after the last one, just looked at me and said, Coach, can we just end practice and get out of California? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, Shavar, for you anything, kid? I said, let's get out of here. I said, I don't think we're ever going to have better three segments than we just did there. So, um, you know, he's been doing it all year. Uh, you know, he struggled the last couple games. Um, just because, you know, that's part of, you know, again, a sophomore becoming a junior and, and, and trying to take a team on its heels. But, you know, I, I, we have such confidence in Miles that, you know, he's going to get it going again for us. Seton Hall's Kevin Willard. Who's hot? Well, it's hard to look around this league and not find a hot hand. We found several. 
We'll hit them up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash wellbeing to learn more. Who's hot? Tucker with 10 on the shot clock steps back, calls for a screen from Brun. Jordan rejects it, crosses over, steps back. Good! Oh, that was nasty from Jordan Tucker. Butler with its largest lead at 14. And Hinkle is lively. Howard, tough shot, rolls it home. He's got 27. You think Howard ever gets tired? Man. Doesn't seem like Max it. Struce with a ball between the circles for the Demons. A bounce to Kane off the left in three-point territory. Alley-oop underneath. Struce, the masseuse, serving up the facial with a two-handed jam. Figueroa thought about it. Hodge doesn't think. That's why. Boy, the Brooklyn Dodger. <laughs> Joey Hauser from way out. Twice he's been Big East freshman of the week. Attack down the lane, layup is good, and he's fouled. The fifth-year senior for Baltimore comes up huge right when he needed to. Look at this range. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't on the V, but he was close to it. Deep three from way out. Got it. <laughs> How about that for Sam Hauser? Gillespie, long three. It's good from the right wing. Well, he shot that kind of stepped in. He shot it with a lot of confidence. The rebound is taken down by Gage. He crosses the top line left to right. Gives behind to McCain. Right side three. It goes <laughs> down. What a pretty pass by Gage. And Kane lights it up from downtown. Behind the back between the legs pass to Eli Kane. Demons on a 12-2 run. Go down low, but it's deflected. And then Booth comes up with it. A big Booth play there. finds Gillespie back to Booth. Left wing. Pascal straight away three. He's got it a switch. And the Cats do within two. 53-51. Big Layla not getting nervous. Not calling a timeout. Gets it into Mosley. Sideline right. Comes on the right baseline. Wide open to Kenjo for three. Right in front of the Hoya Pine on the return from Jagan Mosley. Nails the three. Quinterly on the right wing up top to Bay. Now Pascal left sideline. Three is a good. A swish for Pascal. That's a making their threes. That's a couple of threes in the second half by Eric. For the Bulldogs, under 10 to go in the first. Brunk, low block right side. Brunk looking to pass or fight through it. Throws it up with the left. Got his own miss. Got fouled. And that one dropped through. Joey Brunk, a man on a mission underneath. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. For the first time in Big East history, two brothers have won the weekly men's basketball honors in the same week. you got Marquette Sam Hauser, who's been named the Big East Player of the Week this week, and Joey Hauser, little brother, and I say little somewhat loosely because he's actually bigger than Sam. He's been named the Big East Freshman of the Week. Now, Sam averaged 28 points, 7.5 rebounds to lead Marquette to a win at Georgetown and a win at home against Providence. The junior had a career-high 31 points against Georgetown and had 25 more against the Friars. He shot 54% from the field. He made 8 of 16 from three-point range. Sam has proven to be quite the weapon, Kevin. Well, he may be a first-team all-league guy, and it's interesting. Ed Cooley said after the uh, Providence's loss at Marquette, they really thought that they jammed up Marcus Howard really well. I think he only had four field goals, really made him work hard. 
but Sam Hauser got loose, and he can really knock in shots. Uh, I, I think he's playing with ultimate confidence. And uh, whenever you're a good shooter, that's exactly what you're looking for. He's got it. And Brother Joey, we say little Brother Joey, even though Joey's a little taller, 10.5 points and 6 rebounds, shot 53% for the field on average for the 2-0 and week for the Golden Eagles. Started the week with 10-6 and in the win at Georgetown, had 11 more and 4 boards against Providence. I'd like to know how many assists Sam has passing to Joey. Because needless to you say, they know each other. They have a they have a great bond. I know that sounds trite, but it it, you, it really stands out when you watch them play. He, I think they all look for Marcus Howard, but Sam Hauser knows when to look for Little Joey. Hey, Marcus knows how to look for Marcus Howard. But you're right. I think that uh, Joey and Sam and Sam and Joey, whichever way you want to prefer it, they got a lot of practice doing that. Think about the chemistry that those guys don't have to build together, that they're already further along in the process of developing court sense. Now, if you can get the teammates around them to kind of join in and understand it, wow, Marquette has some special chemistry. You know, and sure enough, uh, in their win over DePaul, they have four guys in double figures. And when Marcus Howard gets 23 points and nine assists, Marquette's going to be tough to beat. Oh, there's no doubt about that. How about the honor roll this week? And, again, it's an all-star lineup. you got Kamar Baldwin from Butler. He had 23.5 points and 11 rebounds in a 2-0 week for the Bulldogs, 30-8 and against St. John's. Paul Reed from DePaul, he is turning into a force inside for the Blue Demons. Had a couple of double-doubles in a one-and-one week for uh, the Blue Demons. 20-12 and in a loss to Butler. Alpha Diallo, you just talked about him briefly, from Providence. 15.5 points, 7 rebounds, shot 54% in the week for the Friars. But Alpha is still the only player in the league that leads his team in scoring, rebounding, and in assists. So he's truly doing it all, and he leads the Big East in rebounding overall. Ninth in scoring, first in rebounding, and 14th in assists. And uh, it seems like he has the ball in his hands all the time for the Friars. Shamari Pons, that's a name that you've heard a lot already. You'll continue to hear a lot for the rest of the year. Uh, 21 points, 3.5 assists, 2.5 steals in a 1-1 one one week for the Red Storm. And then Phil Booth Villanova, the senior. <laughs> yeah, we'll mention him a lot this year, too. 22 points and 5 assists in an 85-75 win against Xavier. Pretty good lineup of all-star honorees this week. John, I think that's the first time we've mentioned Phil Booth without Eric Paschal or Eric Paschal without Phil, Phil Booth. Booth, right? And, and the uh, two guys can stand on their own, right? They can, and uh, sure enough, uh, in an 80-72 win over Butler this week, uh, Pascal had 23, Booth had 17. So we're beginning to learn the names, the faces, and seeing the play of the stars on each of the team, and it seems like everybody in this league has somebody that they can rely upon, and more importantly, Kevin, somebody that opposing coaches have to account for when they work on their game plans. Well, and, and the teams that have the two- and three-headed monsters, they're the ones that are really difficult to deal with, and we've mentioned Villanova and their depth with Pascal and Booth, and and Marquette with Howard and the and the and the Hauser twins. You know, the, the, not twins, but brothers. That's what makes a team really difficult to defend. No question. It's never too soon to start thinking tourney in the 40th season of Big East basketball, and for the 37th consecutive year. The Big East Men's Basketball Tournament, presented by Jeep this year, will be played in New York City March 13th through 16th at the world's most famous arena, the Mecca of college basketball. That's Madison Square Garden. You can be there, so don't miss your chance. 97% of all of the available tickets were sold last year. This was the most attended postseason conference tournament in the country. Single-session tickets are now on sale for this year. All you got to do to be a part of it is go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for more information and to buy yours. All right, who else has noticed the plethora of guards in this league? Young shooting guards that are beginning to make waves in the conference. We have. 
We'll hear from one of the most improved this season, Creighton's Tyshawn Alexander, next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. At Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge. With business, law, healthcare, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world. While in college and after graduation, visit Creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. Big East Focus. Mitz from the top of the key, probing. Five, four, outside. Tyshawn, Tyshawn, gonna have to spin around on the first and Tyshawn Alexander sees the shot clock under with 17 seconds left. He banks it in off the square and a timeout by Marquette. Well, big men certainly have been prevalent force throughout the 40-year history of the Big East Conference. But for a team to truly succeed in this league and on the national level, well, it's been all about guard play. Point guards to deal the ball, shooting guards to score the ball, big guards to defend the ball. Well, one of the top young guards in the league this season is sophomore Tyshawn Alexander at Creighton, and he joins us this week in the Big East. Tyshawn, what would you say was the biggest surprise for you when you stepped into competition for the first time last year as a freshman? How competitive it uh, really was. Really, Marcus and Taz uh, were pretty much like one of the best players I ever like been a part of, man. Um, help me prepare for what was coming up for this year. Tyson, how about the difference between last year and this year? Where, needless to say, you've taken on a much larger role. How did last year prepare you for that? Yeah, uh, last year really uh, opened my eyes to see a court as being a point guard and not really a score. I really took some time in this to then talk to Marcus and Taz about like what all do I need to sit there and do for this following year, and also what I need to sit there and keep doing this year so I can keep. Um, getting my teammates and shots and also just to then help me out in the long run as well. So last year really preparing me, Coach Mag, coaching staff, everything was just on point for me to sit there and succeed for this year. You know, bring us back. Tell us a little bit about your background. So in high school, did you have the ball all the time or were you one of the bigger kids and played off the ball? I think I was one of the bigger kids that played off the ball. Uh, I went to uh, one of the best basketball uh, schools in the country at Oak Hill Academy, and it really prepared me for what was coming up for uh, coming to college, and playing mostly the, the top-rated players in the nation. And it was just very competitive, and we got after it every day, and it was just fun. So this has been a pretty big adjustment then for you, really having to try to take over ball handling duties, a distribution, uh, guarding maybe one of the toughest guys on the opposing team's backcourt. So you've learned had to re- kind of learn the game a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, I took a lot of time in during the summer to sit there and work on some things that I need to do and still doing it to this day, but uh, it's helping me out a lot. So what's been the toughest part of the adjustment for you thus far? Pretty much just being like, I want to say, like, just being the man and knowing to myself, like, I have to take that last shot no matter what it takes. Uh, and also, as me being so young and us having to be a young team, I'm, I may have sometimes I need to step up to be a leader. Uh, at first, like, it really took a big role in me because I was still trying to figure out, like, what all do I need to do. And Coach Mack really helped me a lot just to go up to him and ask questions no matter what it takes. And... But it's still preparing me for what I need to sit there and be for this year. 
Tyson Alexander, who is a sophomore guard for the Creighton Blue Jays, joining us this week in the Big East. Tyson, I, I'm curious, when Coach Mack or whoever started recruiting you comes and says, do you want to play guard at Creighton? That, that's probably one of the best uh, opening lines in recruiting you could, you could hear because, uh, needless to say, he encourages offensive uh, creativity and bombs away. Uh, they, they didn't let me know until I was going to be a point guard last year to uh, last year, to be honest. Uh, uh, one of our guards that turns from Syracuse, he uh, messed up his hamstring, and Coach Matt wanted to see if I could step in and be a point guard for him, come off the bench, have a high energy, just pretty much is making a, everything just move faster, quicker, and getting more points up on the board. So it really prepared me for what has leads to today and also like how fast and how quick everything is. Well, now that you're playing this role of being kind of the lead guy and having to be sort of the, the alpha dog, if you will, of the Blue Jays, who do you model your game after? Is it somebody else that's currently the college game? Do you look at the pros a lot? Uh, who has Coach even told you, I need you to be like so-and-so? Pretty much Coach is really told me, like, on the defensive side, uh, he wants me to be, like, more like Taz. But Taz is a lot longer than I am, and he just pretty, uh, had a defensive presence. So uh, I'm still trying to learn from the defensive side of Taz. And on the offensive side, they pretty much didn't tell me no way. They tried to tell me to just go out there and play my game. And uh, I really like looking at videos of, like, Devin Booker and Russell Westbrook to see how fast and like how Russell Westbrook attacks the paint and how Devin Booker creates his shots and just pretty much how smooth and all that goes and how much of a impact they are in the league. Tyshawn, tell us about your Big E season so far. It's been a uh, road win at Providence, a road win at Georgetown, no home wins yet. Uh, can you speak to how competitive the league has been uh, thus far for the Blue Jays? Yeah, it's very competitive. Uh, we went on a, a four-game losing streak, and it really – Kind of took a toll on our team, but Coach Max helped us out to sit there and tell us that we need to just relax and go back to playing our game no matter what it takes. Like, at the end of the day, we're one big happy family, and that's where we're going to be forever. Until 10 years from now, you never know if somebody will end up reaching back out to you. Like, we're just family, and that's what we're going to be. So, um, at first, it was it took a toll on us, but we finally got a chance to get it back, and hopefully we're getting it to roll. Well, sure, you're aware that uh, there are a lot of guards in the league who are all pretty good, and they all kind of play a little bit your style. Who do you like going up against, and who do you not like going up against in the league? Can you give us some names? To be honest, uh, Marcus Howard really put on a show against us, and it was fun just sitting there playing against him. I mean, he's he's one of the, he's probably the best player in our league, and I've never seen a guy that sit there and do all that, especially at his size as well. But people, I, I don't know, like, some of the players that I don't like. I I try to sit there and communicate with some. Some just won't talk. And it's, you know, it, it's, yeah. They're like, freezing you out, in other words, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's, it's like, it's it's fine. Like, we're all competitive and stuff. But, I, you know, I'm kind of a guy that is very competitive. But I feel just sitting there and, you know, just have, like, a couple of words. Tyshawn, I think that's probably because they respect your game. It might be. It's the Big East too. There's too many too, uh, too many city kids. They, they they wear that toughness on their shoulders. You know, from Oak Hill, yeah. you 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 were with kids from all over the country down there. Who who was yeah. on your team at Oak Hill? Uh, who's playing college basketball now? Uh, I have Linda Wingerton that goes to Iowa State. Matt Coleman that goes to Texas. Billy Preston I think is in the G League. 
Braxton Keys probably is at Virginia. Mario Kegler is at Baylor. Wow. Uh, yeah, Kenny. Uh, we have a kid named Kenny Nubia is at UCLA. Rodney Miller is at um, Miami. Josh Reeves is at Penn State. Uh, Ole, uh <laughs> All right, we we, we well, get we a, get the a, message, Tyshawn. That's a powerhouse, baby. Uh, in other words, you, you better you better show up to practice ready to go. Oh yeah, you know I'm always there. All right, so let's then leave it with your Creighton team, and one guy that you know that you need to rely upon. We're going to give it consideration that you're going to be there as a guy that Creighton can rely upon. But who else do you need as a teammate to be there every night for this Blue Jay team to be in the mix of this uh, this muddied middle that we have in the conference? Pretty much, I think Mitch, Martin, and uh, Dave Nard should. We should all just sit there and be there. Uh, Coach really relies on us for to sit there and go out there every day, give us high energy, make sure we're scoring, and also being on the defensive side and talking. Mitch can flat out shoot the ball. That's what we have him out there doing. Teenies. Pretty much like a stretch big. He's, he can attack it. Obviously, I know about his three ACL injuries, and he's, we're still kind of uh, trying to get him to overcome that. And Damian, he's he's really starting to step up his game a lot more now, and this and this looking pretty darn good for our our sport guys. Creighton's Tyshawn Alexander, and we'll continue the thoughts on guard play coming up with a guy who scored the ball better than well anyone else in Xavier hoop history. He knows something about these young, improving guards in the Big East. His former Musketeer star Byron Larkin joins us next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. National Perspective. On the wing, Wellish fires a three-point shot. He's got it. We're tied. Scruggs set him up nicely. Wellish folded out to the wing and fired in a three. So many really good guards in the Big East this year. Everyone is a guy they can go to or lean on whenever a big play is needed. Xavier did that with Byron Larkin in the mid to late 80s, scoring 2,696 points, and he still leads all Musketeers in career scoring. His career numbers still rank in the top 25 all-time in NCAA Division I scoring. Well, Kevin and I had a chance to visit with Byron this week. We asked him about the young guards beginning to dominate play in the Big East. I think uh, college basketball is controlled by guards. I think good basketball teams will have all good ball guards who have good ball skills. And you mm-hmm. see in this in this league, St. John's, Marquette, really good dynamic ball, uh, dynamic guards. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three point shot has really changed college basketball. And if you have a, a lead guard who can shoot the ball as well, you you've got you've got something there. And I think the best teams have that. You know, I, I also throw in Seton Hall there with Powell because he's been a big-time scorer. I, just talk about the responsibility of a, of a Marcus Howard or a, a you know, a Shamari Pons and how they have to show up and carry that load. I'm sure they, they get the green light. They love it, but it is a great responsibility. It is, that is a, that's a great point. Uh, it takes courage to be the lead guy because – you might miss. And, you know, I won, I was on a lot of teams where, you know, I had a lot of big scoring nights, but I had a lot of nights where I couldn't throw it in the ocean. 
and I, there was a, there were some repercussions, and I had to answer for that. But you know, these good teams know their role. I mean, if you're a score on your team, the coach will sit you down and say, "Hey, in order for us to be successful, you need to put the ball in the basket." So when my teammates would complain about me shooting too much, I said, "Hey, talk to the coach because that is is my role." So these players, there there is a lot of responsibility there. Uh, when the game is down at the end and someone has to take a big shot, everybody knows who that's supposed to be. And, and again, that's a lot of responsibility there. And, uh, you know, I, I prefer that. That's the only way to play. Sure. Well, for those that might not know, Byron, when he played, when he left Xavier, he left the school as the school's all-time leading scorer. He's still that. His career total is still in the top 25 nationally, which says something about your ability to put the ball in the hole. So who do you like in the Big East this year? Who's caught your eye? Who is this generation's Byron Larkin? Oh, man. It's so different. I didn't play with the three-point shot. I had it my last two years, so it was it was different. Mm-hmm. Again, three-point shooting has really changed this change college basketball. Shamari Pons, um, uh, the kid from Butler, I really love him. Kamar Baldwin, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Howard, those kind of dynamic guards. And, I uh, again, who can shoot the ball from three? I think those are the teams that have the advantage. Teams like Xavier, Providence, who don't have that, have to work a little bit harder for their offense. So they have to find other ways to – other ways to kind of manufacturing offense. You look at Villanova. Why are they so good? That's Phil Booth. <laughs> they shoot threes. Yeah. I mean, the other day yeah. against Xavier, they made 15 threes, and they were all contested. They, I think they probably took more threes than twos, and I, I think that's, a, that's where the trend is going now. You don't see teams with two traditional bigs anymore. It's more one big and a bunch of guards around them. I think Villanova's kind of set the blueprint, and other teams are, are, are starting to follow suit. Going to ask you about uh, Xavier's backcourt because you mentioned uh, Grimes. You know, awful lot of experience last year. It seems as if he's had an uh, inconsistent year uh, under the new, you know, coach. Can you just talk about Xavier's guards because I think that probably is their challenge going forward. Oh, it's the big challenge. Uh, uh, their point guard Quentin Gooden is the guy who's really challenged to shoot the ball. Uh, Xavier uh, is one of the worst shooting three point shooting teams in the Big East. So they've got a manufactured team, manufactured offenses. And the good thing about a coach is that they realize what they are. Good teams realize what they are. Xavier knows that they're not a good three-point shooting team, so they drive the ball hard to the basket, a lot like Providence, I think, and try to get to the free throw line. So trying to overcome a deficiency, knowing what you are, is really important to good teams. All right, so let's go a little bit of a step further. Now that you've seen most everybody around the league and you've seen some of these guys develop, it's pretty clear to see that guard play is where the league is going to continue to grow. From some of the younger players, who do you like? Who reminds you of somebody that you've seen in your past or maybe you even played with? Maybe in the league, kind of like a – I played like a Kamar Baldwin from Butler. You know, I wasn't a three-point shooting specialist like Marcus Howard or something. I was a guy who liked to drive to the bucket, get to the free throw line, and try to mix it up. So he's a guy that I kind of see myself. I wasn't as athletic as he is. He's a freak athletically, but, you know, I really enjoy watching I don't know. For an old man, you still look pretty good to me. (laughs) I just want to look good. That's all. (laughs) I like that. I like that. All right, what do you think about the teams thus far? The league we know is younger this year overall. Xavier lost a tremendous amount of experience from a year ago uh, in getting to be a top-seeded team. So what do you like about this team that Xavier has, and what do you feel like their characteristic can be as they step forward? 
Xavier's a team that's uh, really trying to reboot themselves. I mean, they lost not only their coach, their entire staff, with the exception of Travis Steele, who stayed to be the head coach. Uh, They lost their five best players, um, four of them, four of which were seniors. They had one undergraduate that just inexplicably left to be a, a pro. Um, so, and, and I know that happens a lot, but Xavier's a team that's trying to re, re kind of tool their identity. Last year had a lot of big time shooters, Trayvon Bloor, JP McCure, um, uh, Cam Cantor. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys could all shoot the three this year's team cannot shoot three. So they have to play differently. Uh, I like their kind of, I, I think they've kind of solved their identity. They know who they are. And they just play to their strengths. The value of the two grad transfers, uh, I, I think that's the key to Xavier's success and that they could rebuild on the fly. Uh, just on, on those two guys a little bit. The two, well, there's three grad transfers for Xavier, two that have kind of made a, an impact. Zach Hankins, a 6'11 uh, center transfer from Fair State. He was Division Two Player of the Year. Really mobile, can really shoot the ball uh, or score the ball. I think he's number one in the Big East in field goal percentage of yep. 70%. Yep. Uh, Ryan Welge is a three-point shooter for San Jose State. He's kind of uh, – average 18 points a game at, at San Jose and about eight points here. Uh, obviously a lot tougher league. Um, he's being scouted, so it's hard for him to make that adjustment. And Kyle Castlin is a 6'5", kind of swing player that, quite frankly, is underachieved at at this point. So Xavier has only 10 scholarship players on the team and their two freshmen uh, just are not ready yet. So they really are working with seven, seven guys that coach feels comfortable playing with. So it puts a lot of pressure on the starters to play well. So we'll see what happens. You know, Xavier's won 11 games. They're 11 and eight at this point in the season. So it's a tough league. Xavier has won 20 games for, you know, forever. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year, but you know they're trying to get there, and and it's uh, there's going to be some tough sledding in the Big East this year. There's a lot of parity. You know, it, it used to be Villanova and everyone else. You know, Villanova's still good, but I think you know there's a lot of teams that can can buy for the for the Big East championship this year. Thanks to Byron Larkin, and who's got next? Well, the big games coming up on the schedule, and where are these marquee matchups? That is next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's got next? Howard gets it in. Sam Hauser fires at the buzzer. Got it! It counts! He just catches and launches. We're going overtime. John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. One game on Saturday, a little bit unusual, but Marquette plays at Xavier. And I think for the Musketeers, who lost at home to Providence earlier this week, uh, this will be a big opportunity for uh, Travis Steele's team. Travis Steele is not happy with his team's effort against Providence with 18 turnovers. Needless to say, a golden opportunity to have the Golden Eagles come in to the Syntax Center. 
Three Sunday games on the docket this week. DePaul's at Providence, Georgetown at St. John's, Seton Hall at Villanova. All of them just reek of opportunity. Well, the NFL shuts it down for a week, and the Big E steps in big time on a, on a Sunday. Right. Uh, great opportunity there for uh, Seton Hall to go on the road at Villanova. A uh, tough test, but uh, the Pirates need to get going a little bit. And Georgetown at St. John's at the Garden. What else is there to say? There's nothing else to say about that one. That is about as old school Big East as you can get. I love the fact that there are four Wednesday night games this week. So it is a big Wednesday in the Big East. Providence plays at Seton Hall. Villanova's at DePaul. St. John's at Creighton. Marquette at Butler. Well, Providence is an interesting team and has two interesting games this week. They play DePaul. They host DePaul and Providence on Sunday, go to Seton Hall, and then go at DePaul. So to play a team twice in a a week, week. I'm not quite sure what challenges that puts on players and coaches, except that the guy who has the scout, he's got a pretty easy, he's got a busy week, but an easy week, I guess. And then the uh, week closes out on Thursday of this next week, Xavier at Georgetown. And again, you see now with the matchup with a lot of these teams that come into the week with four losses in conference play, there's an opportunity now to kind of rise above the, the, the pack. Well, and Georgetown has had some really difficult close losses. They've been very competitive at home, uh, and we've just talked about Xavier, you know, need to bounce back after that loss to, against Providence. Our Twitter question this week, hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, make sure you send us yours, comes from Shorty in New York who asks a very simple one. Who's doing a better job, do you think, at this point, Chris Mullen or Patrick Ewing? Wow, Shorty with a the, with the nice question. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Nothing like getting right to the point. Yeah, well, uh, Shorty, we'll, we'll start with the tall guy, Patrick Ewing. I, I, I think Georgetown's one of the most interesting teams in the league because I love their young guys, you know, uh, Akinjo and Mac McClung. Mac is clearly back now, uh, scoring. Jesse Govan as a senior. So I just like their mix. They might be a little too young uh, to be able to get those Big East wins that they're looking for right now, but they're competitive every game. And St. John's, I think we know the deal with St. John's. As talented as any team in the league, one through six. Uh, crunch time has been a bit of an issue for, for Chris Mullins' team, but I think both legends are doing a good job with their teams. Uh, St. John's obviously ahead of the Hoyas right now. When does the pressure, and this is my question, not Shorty's, but when does the pressure now begin to build to the point where some of these legends for both of these schools now begin to start to take a little heat? Well, I would say th- this year for Chris Mullen, veteran team, one of the best players in the country in Shamari Ponds, uh, they're going to be in the mix in the Big East tournament, and they're going to be an NCAA tournament team, and gonna, there's going to be a couple – Big-time games, pressure moments, and we'll see if the Red Storm can get it done. Yeah. Well, don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, you can tune in each week live. Big East Shootaround is available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shootaround featuring coaches and player interviews from around the league every week. You can send your questions in and your hot takes with social media, hashtag BE Shootaround, and you can be featured on that show as well as this one. Well, our thanks to Seton Hall's Kevin Willard, Creighton's Tyshawn Alexander, and Xavier analyst Byron Larkin for joining us this week. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at Seton Hall, Creighton, and Xavier for their help in providing the sound that brings us a bit closer to these big moments in these games. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave a review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter, at Broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33 Hit us with your questions, and make sure you retweet. We'll be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. 
Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.